Welcome to the Radio Bible Chorus. We're studying Paul's epistle to the Galatians, and we have been discussing Galatians 3.19, a critical passage, because it tells us so much about God's programs on this earth. Last week we examined verse 19 thoroughly. Let me read it again. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions until the offspring should come, to whom the promise had been made, and it was ordained by angels through an intermediary. Well, as we examined that passage last week, we learned these major points about the law. When it began, when it ended, why it was given, and its temporary feature. The temporary nature of it was brought out by the word until the promised seed should come. The Bible here presents that time during which the children of Israel were under the tight control of law as a dispensation or administration. This is an important concept to grasp. You can't really understand the Bible without giving some respect to this word administration. Many Christians don't, and the result is their common fall into legalism. Much is said in verse 19, and I do not know any passage that says as much about the purpose of the law as this verse does. Now, the Bible talks about the end of the law, but some teachers of the Bible have wanted to limit the meaning of that expression, end of the law, to the ceremonial and civil laws in the books of Moses. But the New Testament always treats the word law as a unit. And when Paul writes law, he means all of the law, including that which was written on stone tablets. Now, let me say just a word about it being ordained by angels. You find that in Galatians 3.19. And it was ordained by angels through an intermediary. When we read the account of the giving of the law in Exodus at Mount Sinai, we infer that God dealt directly with Moses. However, three passages say otherwise. This one, which we are studying in Galatians 3.19, and another, Acts 7, verse 53, where Stephen is speaking, and he said, You who received the law as ordained by angels, and yet did not keep it. So here again we see that there was the intermediary role of angels in the giving of the law of Moses. But then there is still another passage, and that comes in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. Listen to what that says. For if the message declared through angels was valid, and every transgression or disobedience received a just penalty, how can we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? It was declared at first through the Lord, and it was attested to us by those that heard him. The writer to the Hebrews is comparing the message of the law declared through angels with the message that came from the Lord, that is, the new covenant. 
So we do have then at least three passages in the Bible that tell us that the law came through angels, and that perhaps will correct some of our thinking. Now, the law was given by God through angels to Moses for Israel. The promise, however, of which Galatians 3.19 speaks, the promise made to Abraham did not go through angels and through another person, but God spoke directly to Abraham. Now, there is a problem with the very next verse, that's verse 20, which reads, Now an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. We see that the end of verse 19 told us that the law was ordained by angels through an intermediary, and then verse 20 picks up on that intermediary again, but who is the intermediary? Not the angels, but Moses. You see, the angels brought the law from God through the intermediary to the people of Israel, and Moses was that person. But now, verse 20 is one of the most difficult passages in the Bible, and William Barclay, the New Te late New Testament commentator, has said he knew of at least 300 interpretations of this passage. Well, I'm sure people come up with all kinds of interpretations, but not if they stick close to the context. Now, what is the context about here? Well, Paul has been comparing the giving of the law with the giving of the promise by God to Abraham. If we keep that in mind, it will help us to focus directly on what I think is the accurate meaning, the intended meaning of verse 20. Now, here's the verse again. Now, an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. Yes, if you have an intermediary, it means there are two parties in between the intermediary. A mediator, for example, brings two parties together. In labor disputes, a mediator brings management together with the employees. Here, in the biblical context, a mediator served the purpose of transmitting something from God to man. But in the case of Abraham, I think Paul is trying to bring out this fact that there was no mediator between God and Abraham. Now think of this. If God spoke directly to Abraham, that which he said is far more important than what he said to the children of Israel by angels through a mediator. Now, that may be a simple explanation, but it satisfies me. However, I did point out earlier that there are many interpretations of this passage, and I leave it to you to find a better one. Now we move on to verse 21. And in this verse, another question is asked. Paul does that to get people to think and to bring out the truth that he thinks they have neglected. Is the law, then, against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given which could make alive or give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. This 
question anticipates a complaint from someone that the law appears to be against the promises in the sense of opposed to it. Now, there might have been some people who had that conflict, but that can't be because God gave both of them, and God doesn't contradict himself. The problem is that men fail to understand. Now, we have that same problem today in the Christian church. God gave the law. He gave it to Israel, and Israel only. Then he gave the method or the administration of grace to govern his church. And the two are contradictory. Are they really? They are if you try to live by both of them. But the fact is the Bible presents the law and the grace system as different administrations for different people in different ages. We shouldn't expect them to be the same. There would be no need for the grace administration and the New Testament if Christians were supposed to be living by the Old Testament law, which was given only to the children of Israel. There is no contradiction when you understand that there are two systems that God has for governing his people. In the Old Testament, it was the Old Covenant, the one made at Mount Sinai. But today, it's the New Covenant, and it's expressed by the New Testament epistles given to the churches. We have a whole new way. We don't come to God by Moses. We come to God by Christ. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Not even through Moses? No, absolutely not. No one came to God through Moses. Christ is God's answer. Now notice how Paul answers the question. He says, certainly not, or may it never be. Paul next explains why he rejects that notion that the law might be contrary to the promise of God which was made to Abraham. That's in verse 21. Now, was the law given to make men alive? Verse 21 points that out. If there had been a law given which could make alive, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But there was no such law that could give life to men. And according to verse 19, which said, Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions, till the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made. It doesn't say anything there about why then the law it was given to give life. You won't find that in the Bible. Nowhere does the Bible support the notion that you can get eternal life by keeping the law. Never does the Bible say you receive the Spirit by keeping the law. As a matter of fact, the beginning of Galatians chapter 3 brings that out most pointedly by the series of questions which he asked these Galatians. We need to think through this thought that Paul has here. If the law could have given life, would it be contrary to the promise? Well, of course it would, for then there would be two ways to get life. Hebrews 11 verse 6 would need to be changed, and it would read this way, Without faith or law, it is impossible to please God. But what does Hebrews 11.6 say? Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Or John 3.16 might have to be changed. 
And we might have to read it this way, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him or keeps the law should not perish, but have everlasting life. I'm sure you wouldn't want to tamper with that favorite passage. Paul has written in chapter 3 of Galatians that the eternal inheritance comes by promise, not law. Whenever anyone regards both the law and the promise as means of obtaining eternal life, then he makes them opponents. Each had a purpose. The law was given to convince men of their sin and the promise to save them from their sin through Christ. I think for the most part, people who are troubled about the law, who are trying to keep the law and impose the law as a Christian standard, have not studied what the New Testament teaches us that the law was for. It was not given for life. It was given to make sin more sinful. It was given so the men could see how evil they were and turn to Christ, but it was not given to save anybody. The law had a purpose, and if you are a good Bible student, you'll find out what that purpose is. What must a person do to get eternal life? I recommend reading John chapter 3 and Romans chapters 3 and 4, but I also recommend our free booklet entitled Heaven's Password. It will convince you that God wants only one response from you, that you believe. Heaven's Password is free. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calavoda reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.